bringing you key insights, tips, and advice from the brightest minds in the Canadian franchise industry. This is the Franchise Canada Chats podcast. I'm Gary Prenovo, your host of the Franchise Canada Chats podcast, where we take you into the world of franchising. Season 7 of Franchise Canada Chats will feature interviews with franchisees, franchisors, and industry leaders sharing key insights and expert advice on navigating challenges on their path to success. Franchise Canada Chats is brought to you by FranNet, Canada's franchise matchmaking experts. At FranNet, we help you to build your optimum business model, then we introduce you to well-suited franchise options, then most importantly, we coach you through all aspects of your research so that you can arrive at an informed and defensible yes or no decision. Steve Geddes is a fiber new franchisee from Kelowna. He's within his first three years of a business that he started as an underdeveloped resale. Within one year, he grew out of his shop and had to purchase a bigger one. And at the beginning of his third year, he hit 10 employees and he's had an incredible retention program for those employees on top of being Fiber News top business builder. What's really cool is at the International Franchise Association annual conference in Las Vegas at the end of February this year, Steve was awarded the franchisee of the year of Fiber News. We're very excited today to talk to Steve. Welcome, Steve. Thank you. Yeah, I've been in uh, furniture most of my life, representing some commercial furniture companies and then had a sales agency for uh, quite a few years in Calgary, selling healthcare, hospitality, and really love furniture. Um, I have always been in that. Um, happened to be in the States uh, one day working and uh, was surfing um uh, news, uh, found a guy in the States talking about life after uh, sports world and looking for a franchise. And it's, he was talking about fiber news. So, uh, I quickly, uh, um, found them online, sent a message to fiber news saying I was interested in knowing a little bit more about it. Seemed like a good fit with what I was doing. Um, with my sales background and selling, I had an installation and staging company as well. So I did hands-on, I had six to eight guys working, installing furniture, doing moves, moves in, moves out. So uh, a furniture repair business seemed like it would be a good fit. So I inquired if, if there was a franchise available in uh, Calgary. There was not, found out that Calgary was their head office, didn't even know that living in uh, in Calgary. Um, but we started talking about opportunities. I was working some in, uh, in Phoenix at the time. There was a uh, one there. My wife's from the Okanagan. So I threw out, hey, is there uh, anything available in Kelowna? Um, there happened to be um, a franchisee out here looking to sell, so we started going down that route. We had a uh, we had a five year plan to perhaps move uh, back to the Okanagan, closer to my wife's family. Uh, within a year, we had uh, bought the franchise and uh, moved moved to Kelowna. Uh, wonderful! And you mentioned part of the strategy was maybe build it and get your son involved. Tell us a bit about that. Absolutely. So my son uh, went through training with me at uh, at uh, headquarters at the training center in Calgary. The plan was, I'm a sales guy. I wanted to get back into selling some. And so my thought was, it was a good legacy opportunity. We could work it together for a while. And then I could kind of hand the reins to uh, over to him. And he would take over. And I would sort of manage it from a distance and get back into selling furniture. Um, COVID happened. As we all know, the pandemic hit. Um they decided for personal reasons to move back to the East Coast where we're originally from. So I said, well, you know, I've got an opportunity here. It's uh, it's presented itself. 
Let's grow it, see how big we can get it and do what I believed uh, there was an opportunity in fiber to not just to be a mobile service, but I had done my homework in, uh, in not only in this territory, but being in furniture for many, many years, uh, the opportunity to add upholstery, to add more services than just a mobile service really attracted to me. So um, I had the shop, I had bought it already wanting to work out of there. And uh, so we just decided to to go after it. My wife works with me as well. She does more of the, you know, the back end and the financial part of it. But uh, we said, you know, let's see what we can make of this. And uh, um, I do know how to grow. I do know how to sell. So I knew that part was going to be taken care of if I could find good people and uh, and staff to start working. And uh, we started growing it. We've had a blast. And it's been hyper growth even through the pandemic. Uh, the beauty of Fiber New is it really is recession proof, and uh, uh, there's there's opportunities for repairs. Uh, you know, in in any industry and in any sort of uh, um, type of uh, you know uh, environment. So uh, we started growing. Uh, very cool. And there's an important lesson um, for our listeners in that. Uh, when you talk about you started this with one of the intentions of having your son involved. Um, so for, for people who are thinking about family businesses, you want to make sure that um, when you buy a business, it's you can execute it without the family members that you hope will be involved, especially the younger the, the kids are, the more likely their life plans might change and then it's it's left to you. So have those important discussions with the family before you buy something or know for sure that if if things do change with the family that you you can carry it and i want to come back to one of the other things you said there steve um and and in the in the pre-discussion you shared that you uh focused on selling versus being the person in the vehicle being the technician on um on the doing the work itself so tell us a little bit about the 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 decisions around scaling the business and how you've been able to to do that because that's important for, for our listeners that focusing on scaling the business, growing, working on the business versus working in the business, which is a very common challenge a lot of franchisees face. So I'd love to hear your perspective on that. Yeah, thank you. The first part, absolutely right about the family. Uh, you know, I think in hindsight, my passion is in furniture. It wasn't necessarily his and everything happens for a reason. And I was okay with that. And you know, I wasn't sure if he was gonna be in it for a year or 10, 20 years. Um, so I always had in the back of my mind, you know, another strategy and then we implemented it and went and, uh, you know, as for, um, you know, as for the second part of, of, um, you know, how, you know, how it was going to work and, uh, um, what, what exactly, what was the second part of what you wanted me to key on? Well, just focusing on scaling the business, working on versus working in. Right. You know, I talk to a lot of other fiber new franchises about this and, you know, you always hear that I'm too busy to go out and sell. My background has always been uh, in selling and and I believe that you have to keep selling. You have to fill that funnel all the time and you always have to be looking for new business. The other part I get a kickback on a lot is uh, I can't afford to, uh, to bring on more staff because that's a huge expense. I always turn that around and say it's not an expense; it's it's revenue. It's uh, it's revenue generation. So every time I look at bringing on a staff member, I've actually hired. I've got two new ones starting today. It's been a busy cool. day here already in the shop, 
Um, that's revenue generation. They're going to add to the bottom line. And yes, there's a cost. Labor is, is probably the biggest cost of most of our companies. But um, the, the revenue that I can add to that. So I always look at it as an opportunity. And when I schedule out my week and look at whether I'm going to be you know, full time in the business or, or part time, I have to allow every week for myself or one of my managers to be selling, to be into our, to increasing our market share with our existing customers, dropping off and making sure we're cold calling. We have to allow for that every week or there's gonna be downturns. You know, I don't want my business to look like this. I want to have a smooth, steady line, hopefully always going up. And uh, when I talk to other franchises, it's like, you have to find the time to do that. You can't use the excuse that uh, you're too busy. Now, the other part, that's important with fiber to me. I know it is for other ones, even though I want, you know, I want to grow and I want to be the sales guy and scale it up. I have to know my business. So I tell any, you know, franchise um, that's, that's looking into fiber to or anything else, you have to work the business. You have to understand it. So for the first six months, I was on the tools every day. I had to understand. I learned that way back in my early um, furniture days when I was selling furniture they put me in the trucks installing furniture for the first couple of weeks so I would understand it. I believe you have to know your business. You have to understand your product if you're going to sell it and if you're going to scale your business up. So that's always been important to me that I still get on the tools if need be, if I have to jump in and do it because I spent those first six months, at least six months, you know, on it full time, understanding the business first, and then I can uh, grow it from there. I think that's, that's important when a, a new franchisee buys the business, um, they have to learn it. Um, so, and it's really important following the franchise or systems processes um, so that they can learn what the value proposition is, what, what all the different elements are and, and where the challenges are that they have to lead and manage around. Um, you know, I want to come back to what you said about when you're talking to other franchisees and they, they either have an excuse of I'm too busy or um, whatever. I've seen with a lot of franchisees over the years um, that as they're going along, they 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 have a certain revenue line and um, they think of the profit they're earning from that revenue. And they think, gee, if I hire somebody, if I go if I go off the tools, um, then it's, it's just going to go up like the, the revenue is going to go straight. But what happens is the profit has got to take a dip because while you're training that new person, um, it, it's a short-term investment while you're taking less income for a longer term. Now, once they're up to speed, now I can go out and sell more and it gives you more of your time to execute the sales strategy. I think that's what it sounds like you're doing. So true. And, and I do talk about that, that you have to, you know, you have to build it to the point that you have a little bit of cash flow and you have a little bit to, to fall back on while you do train somebody. You know, at Fiber New, there's a great training program for any new techs or anything to go through. It's two weeks, but really you're, you know, that four to six weeks before you're comfortable being out there on your own. So absolutely, there's a little bit of a pause um, as you get somebody trained, uh, if, if you can't find somebody with industry experience, and again, depending on what industry you're in. Um, I've tried to find some uh, some people with background in, in furniture or detailing or something like this. So the curve is much smaller, but you still do have that training time where you're, you're not going to uh, uh, be full throttle on income for sure. Okay, I, I'm gonna. I want to come back to labor, but let's let's back up for for a bit and just talk to our listeners about because uh, a lot of them are haven't bought a franchise yet and they're trying to figure it out, right? 
So um, how does purchasing an existing fr franchise, an existing operation from your perspective, differ from buying a brand new one? Yeah, that's a good question because there was some opportunities, like I said, in Phoenix and everything to buy a new territory or buy an existing one. This happened that uh, that it was there. You know, the beauty of an existing territory is you have a, a book of business you're buying or you've got existing customers and you don't have to start from ground zero or, or no sales. You know, I went through training with a couple of guys that were buying uh, brand new territories and they were overwhelmed with the thought of they're going to land in their territory next Monday and they have they have nothing. Great opportunity to train and practice, great opportunity to sell, but no business. So we bought a franchise that did have some business, had some good customers that was just underdeveloped and undernurtured. Um, the the past franchisee was very comfortable with uh, with a certain amount of work and he, and he was okay with that. I knew that there was a huge opportunity in this territory to grow it, but at least I bought uh, some business. Now, that costs, there's a dollar associated with that as well, right? So uh, so the price to buy that business is going to be more than an, than an open franchise, we'll call it. So, you know, you have to weigh those two odds. How comfortable are you uh, growing from zero? Or do you want to have some cash flow right away that you, uh, you can start working on? Uh, you know, the opportunity presented itself that it was here and I liked it. And, and not all markets have existing resales available Correct. so so i think you paid a premium for that existing business new owners should be part of their business plan their um their their financial plan how much money do i have to invest in initial marketing to build that momentum how much time do i have to go out and engage the community um, and i mean serving the community whether it's networking or other elements that, to tell their own story right those are important components of the of the the research um when you when you bought that once you got in um and you had it up and running was there anything really glaringly evident that you needed to focus on to change and improve compared to the previous owner or was it hey this is this is just it's under nurtured and i have to i have to really uh, put some energy into that you know what i found i think is um is uh, a failure is a strong word, but I, I think it's very common out there with owner operators, single individuals that get very busy or complacent doing what they're doing. And they, uh, they don't try to grow the business and therefore they don't answer calls. One of the things that I was kind of shocked at was uh, I would return phone calls and emails and quotes and get back to them the same day. Um, a lot of people out here were shocked that I was getting back to them. And I think, um, the former was very complacent and, and happy with what he had, and he didn't do any of that. So really building that service market, I've built my entire career on servicing and, uh, and keeping my network happy long-term, whatever I'm selling, I have that network that I can always go to because they know I'm going to do what I say I'm going to do when I say I'm going to do it. And that was the part that was underdeveloped. It was, uh, it was growing that, um, um, that expectation of service and 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 that it was here for you. You're always going to get it from us. We're going to get back to you. We're going to have a professional quote right away. And really, you know, adding that level of service and stepping it up. Enjoying the episode so far? Franchise Canada also has bi-monthly newsletters full of franchise opportunities. With Franchise Canada e-news, new content gets sent directly to your inbox and you can keep up to date on the newest episodes of the Franchise Canada Chats podcast that you're listening to right now. Plus, 
you get a free subscription to Franchise Canada magazine. Join the 19,000 fellow franchisees, industry leaders, and aspiring entrepreneurs by subscribing at FranchiseCanada.online. Now, back to the episode. What I hear you're saying is brilliantly delivering on the brand promise. Uh, And I I think uh, so many... I think we're dealing with the most educated consumer in human history. Um, doesn't matter what people are buying. Doesn't matter what franchise you as listener are thinking about getting. You want to understand what the brand promise is and what is the work you have to do to deliver that brand promise through your people. Uh, so, so online reviews, people know what they want, where they want, how much to pay for it, and they know what experience they want to get. So make sure that the, the, the new owner has the ability to deliver do the work that it takes to deliver that brand promise. So you focused on that engagement and stepping up the level of response. Um, you also focused on building those relationships. Um, when, when you think about the pros and cons of purchasing a resale versus purchasing an existing, um, or purchasing a new territory, what, what, uh, what would you offer as pros and cons for that? You know, the pros are the brand. So, you know, and, uh, you know, you're growing something that's been here. You know, our, our brand has been in the Okanagan where I'm at for years and I'm growing that, uh, you know, I'm purchasing that brand. Um, you know, so that's a huge pro, you know, uh, even if it was underdeveloped, there's still the name recognition out there and, and there's something to work on. Um, the con of that would be, you know, if it was, uh, um, severely underserviced and poor service, then you've got some, uh, um, you know, you've got a little work to repair some of the damages out there and, you know, try to find that out ahead of time, obviously. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't living in this market, but we've had property out here and family and everything else. So I had the ability to to look into it and, and try it to, to see what it was like. Um, you know, the pros of, of a new market is you get to you get to write your story and you get to put your own branding on it. You get to, uh, um, to decide which markets you're going to go into first. You're going to decide who you're going to go after, how you want to grow it, um, and what areas that you want to, to specialize in. So it's really an open, uh, page that you get to write your own story, um, where you've got some existing good and bad. If you're buying uh, an existing one, you have to sort of go with the route that it's, uh, was already on. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it, it's one of the things you said earlier, a few minutes ago, um, you have to pay a premium. So some people might look at, I've got to pay a premium for the existing business as a con. At the same time, you don't have to do that heavy um, lifting to build that that base. So it's both a pro and a con. Um, do you, you So, so you know, what is the existing relationships that you're taking over? You have to figure out what is any other clues on additional due diligence you recommend a prospective franchisee do if they're looking at resales? You know, do a business plan, do a, uh, do an in-depth dive into the market, uh, uh, a, a business plan that looks at not just sales and sales opportunity, but networking and, uh, you know, uh, future revenue streams that you might get other markets that maybe it's not in right now, you know, uh, negotiating with, uh, with the existing franchise that was here at the time. Um, he was fairly open and, uh, and upfront with me as to what he did and, and his markets and everything else. Try to have as many of those conversations as possible. You know, communication, and everything is key, but if you can do your, your homework to try to understand that market, to try to understand some of the customers, I came out here on vacation a few times and I walked into 
existing customers and asked, hey, what's your fiber new uh, relationship like? Um, and, and, you know, customers were forthcoming that it was a, a great product and uh, it was uh, um, a, a great company to work with. So, and, you know, and back to that whole brand thing, it's so important to me to build that brand, not just Fiber New Kelowna, all of my marketing materials, everything just says Fiber New because I'm building that brand for the next, uh, the neighboring franchise as well. And I'm so big on that, that we have to keep consistent. We have to build that brand for all of us, not just for my little community. I'm going to, I'm going to go two directions there. Uh, we'll do one first and then the other one is so many people, when they buy a franchise, they think because they bought into a brand, the customers are just going to come. Um, I'm going to make a statement. I want to see your response to it. I believe that um, it is never the franchisor's responsibility to um, to deliver customers to the franchisee. I believe instead it's the franchisor's responsibility to deliver systems and process, part of which is the customer generation strategy. How would you respond? I agree. It is up to me to grow my brand in my markets. I've got great support from head office, we'll say, and uh, with training and with resources to help with marketing materials and everything else. It's the onus is on me to get out there and network. And uh, and as a small business owner, I have to build my brand in my market. And that's then understanding, you know, if it's going to be the Chamber of Commerce you're going to start at, what other networking groups you may be a part of. But I need to build that brand locally with the support of and the great knowledge of a lot of people that I can rely on to ask questions. But the onus is on me, the franchisee, for sure. Okay, thank you. And the other is the business plan. I want to come back to the business plan, which... Um, you mentioned how important it is to build a business plan. I talked to a lot of bankers and work with a lot of bankers over the years. And a lot of people come in and they've got a, a wonderful financial spreadsheet. It tells an awesome story, how much money they're going to make. And, and um, the banks aren't going to um, do anything with that spreadsheet. If the franchise owner can't tell the story behind the numbers. Um, so I, I suggest things like why the market, why the franchise or why the franchisee, like why are they aligned? What other components would you say it's important for the owner to be able to tell the story behind the business plan when they go in for the bank? Yeah, when I when I looked at my business plan, I looked at obviously financial spreadsheet and I looked at one, three and five years and and where I was going to be with um, with with it here. Uh, I looked at my competition. I looked at um, I looked at each markets, you know, Fiber New is known for having sort of six market segments that we can uh, we work in and grow in. Um, so I did a deep dive in each one of those, where the market was, where the market opportunity was. What that made me do is really get a, uh, a, a hands-on and, and a training program set up for the Okanagan for Kelowna. So I, I wasn't living here, but I got to know. So I had customer lists in each segment as well. So I went in and, and I started looking at databases and so I didn't look at it just as the financial. I looked at it as financial, operational, sales and marketing, and I broke it down that way. So when I, you know, when I reviewed that and I and I, you know, I, I look at that, I still go back to that and refer to that quite often to see if I'm if I'm doing what I thought I would be doing from day one. Now I certainly I blew that out of the water originally because I didn't think we could turn it around uh, as quickly as, as we did, you know, with the pandemic starting as well, I was, you know, you have that fear for sure. And uh, the fear of the unknown, um, lo and behold, it's worked out as it was supposed to, but uh, I still refer back to that to see how I'm doing. 
And, and it's interesting because when I, you know, telling the story to the bank, um, it's what it is, why it is, but you also covered the how. What is the, how are you going to generate the business and how are you going to execute on the operational strategy? Um, you mentioned training. So let's segue into the labor discussion because every business owner these days is struggling with labor. Um, the, what have you, how much trouble have you had on finding and retaining staff? Um, like everybody, it's a challenge some days. Uh, I've got some some employees here that uh, we just celebrated. Uh, you know, I've, I've had it for three years. I just celebrated uh, two years uh, with one of my staff on Friday. Another one's going to be three years. I have had some turnover through COVID, absolutely, um, for good reasons. And, uh, um, you know, one of the things that uh, one of my mentors said to me years ago, and I still, uh, you know, when you hire somebody, it's never forever. Um, you know, they're going to quit. They're going to pass on. You're going to encourage them to go be successful someplace else, perhaps. So it's never forever, but you have to make it um, as quality a place and environment as possible so they want to stay. And so so we do a lot of things with our staff um, to try to, to make it, a, you know, a family environment for them. Um, when I'm hiring people, I'm really trying to find and isolate you know, the person that I want, the details that I want, they don't necessarily have to have experience in, at, for instance, at Fiber New, because that's not, you know, something that's out there like a server in a restaurant that you can transfer over, but they have to have a level of detail. So for instance, you know, automotive detailers, painters can cross over and be technicians for Fiber New because they understand color and they have an eye for detail and they know they need to do a fantastic job. So I sort of fine tune it that way. And then we incentivize them when they're here um, and not just financially, because I don't think that's, uh, that's everything. One of the things that I've done a lot, and, and I know Fibernew wants me to talk about it all the time is when we do a job at a local restaurant, for instance, if we're doing repairs or reupholstery at a restaurant, um, we will do, and I'll just throw out a number, say it's a $2,500 invoice. Maybe we'll do, you know, I'll go back to the owner of that restaurant and say, let's do 2,500 in gift cards cool. that I can then use to, uh, to, to give and acknowledge my staff. Not only that, as a small business owner, we're going to bring that money back to your restaurants. You know, my staff are going to go in and say, hey, I'm a part of, of Fiber New. We did your work. Now we're coming here to spend some money. It's win-win for everybody, but it's also a small token to our staff that they know those are coming, right? They know every month there's some gift cards to be had for different places. And it might be spas. It might be, you know, you know, a, a nail place. It might be lots of different things, but little things like that are keeping staff around a little bit, bit longer. And I'm an open book. Every Monday we have a staff meeting. We talk about the pros and cons. We talk about the fact that we're going to make mistakes, but nothing goes out that door if you wouldn't want to pay for it yourself. So let's make sure we make mistakes and then we fix them. Uh, we accept that and then we keep going. You know, you, I, I mentioned at the beginning that you were franchisee of the year last year. So you're in that top 1%. And um, I just finished writing a book. It's coming out in March. It's called The Unstoppable Franchisee. Um, that's what it looks like. And why I'm bringing it up now is because what you talked about just now is around staff. Um, one of my drivers is on uh, you're, you know, leading your people. The vast majority of the top franchisees that I interviewed for the book, they treat their staff as their most important repeat customer. 
Um, whereas a middle and underperforming franchisees treat their staff as an, a resource to be exploited. And clearly you, you've recognized how important it is that, hey, um, while you're here, I'm going to contribute. I'm going to add value to you. I'm going to help you uh, do as, as good as you can. And, and you're important. It's not just you're producing X for me. So that's great to hear. Um, the other thing that you, you talk about is, is your Monday morning staff meeting without exception. Every single top franchisee had regular, sometimes daily, but at least weekly meetings with their team on what's going on. And, and the, the transparency that I talked to, some of the people were incredibly transparent. So kudos to you on, on doing that. Um, the, the, when we talk about what's next for your business, you know, you're, you're, you're starting to look at scaling up or doing things differently working with the franchise or um, on training other things. Talk to us a little bit about that interdependence that you're, you're working on with Fiber New, please. Yeah, so one of the things that I'm trying to do with my company here is, is not step away, but have great people in place that can, uh, that can manage it and, and run it as if I'm not here. And, and you know, I, I do work with my staff on, you know, make those decisions they have ownership in, in decisions uh, so that if if Steve's here or not here, it's going to run the same. That allows me to free myself up. And one of the things that I love to do in my passion is scaling businesses, is growing companies, is growing brands and, and market share. So with corporate now, we'll call it, um, I'm starting to work with Fiber New on coaching and mentoring some franchisees across North America that want to grow from owner-operator to take that next level, to add other segments of their uh, of their company. So maybe add um, upholstery and shop, um, brick and mortar and storefronts and to do that and what that looks like. And, you know, from somebody that's that's grown up in a, you know, in a sales mentality where I got to go hunt it and, and bring it in, not everybody, not all of our franchisees are the same, right? Some of them are, you know, some of them are, are veterans. Some of them are, you know, might be IT that this is a second uh, career for them and they don't have that same mentality. So like we talked about earlier, um, the looking at it as revenue generation instead of just labor costs that you're adding, you know, changing that mindset and start working with some franchises on how do you grow? How do you scale? I love doing that. So I'm excited about, you know, giving some of my knowledge back to the brand to say, you know, this is how it can be done. And we're trying to template some of that right now as to, you know, what you need and maybe, you know, and you don't go from one employee to 12, right? So how do we, how do we get from one to 10 to 12? How do you get to two? That's the biggest jump, right? And then you get that comfort level. Okay, I did it with that. Now I have to replicate it. And so we're trying to template that and work on some modules that'll work for training, um, Zoom and different things. So wherever they're at, we can work on a model that's going to work for them. And, and Fibernew is hand in hand with you in developing these. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm working with, uh, with head office to develop okay. these tools. So, so um, the, one of the things that I love what I'm, what I'm hearing is that the, uh, any good franchise or best in class franchisors help their franchisees uh, leverage the intellectual capital of the entire system it's not just franchise or i know everything do as i say it's that's what helps you get you started is follow the system but once people are up and running it's the other franchisees who are doing different things um, and where a franchise or 
identifies that pathway or creates the pathway for franchisees to draw on other franchisees to bubble up best practices and to build that. So for the listeners who are assessing their um, the franchise options, um, we would highly recommend you explore how well the communication takes place and how well the franchisor promotes that interdependent um, type of structure for the learn the ongoing learning and development. Um, I love what I'm hearing from you. Yeah, one of the things that Fiberdoom does so well that way is help and support new franchisees as they go. You know, you you go through training and then you're kind of kicked out and on your own, but you're not on your own. You know, I was on FaceTime. I was on text talking back and forth. So we have a support group. So I would be now part of that support group when, when you're looking at scaling. But we have furniture and, you know, automotive specialists all across North America. And we've got some key guys that are franchise owners, but they're there to work as, as support and training as well. And they've set it up so well to kind of split the countries um, in two and, and, and areas. So you've got your time zones covered. They have helped us so much to try to get over those, you know, because as you know, with most things in training, then you hit real life and, you know, you're throwing a curveball that I didn't see that last week in training. You know, now what do I do? Well, you don't have to try to figure it out yourself. You've always got support. They, they've been so, so strong that way. Do you see very often where some of the franchisees who aren't just doing as well, they're afraid to ask? or they they're too busy to ask so it's it's they you know that 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 intellectual horsepower is there but people have to be self-accountable and self-responsible and and uh, take advantage of it and, and take action towards gaining it they sure um, do and you know the, the more that we can work together when we do you know whether it be a sales conference with all of us and to get that comfort level of knowing your your peers out there so that you're not afraid to ask for help when you're uh, running into a corner i've got a couple of general questions when you when you look back knowing what you know now steve um what was your biggest surprise your biggest positive surprise aha this is awesome and your biggest oh oh i, I gotta figure this out surprise um you know my biggest surprise probably was and, and i say this a lot when i'm talking to uh to prospective franchises or existing ones I have yet to find the ceiling in any of our markets. I am still in awe every day of how much business is out there. If we can find the hours and the manpower and the staff to take it over, we have not hit the ceiling in aviation and Marine and all that. So I'm surprised every day that there's, there's no, you know, there's that much business out there. If we can find a way to go after it properly. Um, the, the aha moment, I guess, or the, uh, the you know, I got to figure this out is uh, is the technical side of understanding, you know, there's so there's so many repairs to be done out there, understanding our products to be able to make sure we're doing them the right way. So that's where the technical, like you really have to have your, you know, get in there and get your hands dirty at the start to understand that because the training was phenomenal, but you can't train everything in a few weeks. So you have to you come back to the market and it's like, Ooh, that's new. <laughs> now what? And so really that part was not overwhelming. Uh, you know, I've, I've been handy enough in, in the past to understand, you know, that I, uh, that I have to get in there and figure it out, but there's so many different repairs out there. There's so many different products to be able to then um, work your way through that. So that took that took a few minutes for sure, and it still well, happens. Like I still find stuff that I'm not sure of. So I ask, I call one of the other guys at Fiber New or snap a picture and say, 
hey, is anybody running to this? So uh, drawing on that intellectual brain trust, but what what I'm hearing is definitely an uh, absolutely clearly a growth mindset. The oper- there's lots of opportunity there. Um, so I'm going to maximize the opportunity. I'll figure it out as I'm going along. So you'll you'll, you'll the, the the learning curve will be up and down, but the focus is on on growth and scale. Um, then from a from a tracking success, I, it sounds like you're very clearly goal oriented. Um, and and that's part of the team meetings, I would imagine. What about the tr- tracking of success? How important is KPIs and um, performance tracking to you? It is important. And we track uh, we track our reviews. We track our uh, our percentages of of warranty or re repairs. Um, I track you know how many repairs we're able to do now, or how many calls we're able to do. Uh, on a weekly basis compared to, you know, when new tech starts, you know, how much business we can flow through here uh, on a regular basis. You know, we track uh, productivity, you know, from from new people as you get going and how quickly you can get up and running. Um, And, you know, the beauty of our, you know, with multiple staff and uh, and we're able to turn stuff so much quicker. So we have sort of a, um, a head start on our market against any of our competitors. But, I want to track, um, you know, speed versus um, precision versus making sure that we're doing the the repairs right the first time, not having to go back. So, you know, that matrix and sharing that with uh, my staff is so important because their knowledge and their understanding is because they want to get better as well. Right. So if we challenge them and put those markers in place, they have something to look forward to as well. So okay, so so clearly that helps with the staff and knowing that their contribution. I'm thinking about before you bought the business and you were looking at how do you figure out the KPIs? Like how are you going to uh, track? You know, number one, define then track and measure your progress to that. How much insight did you have to what the KPIs were? Um, some you know I had there. Were, before I came on board, and it's called onboarding at franchise, and you work with head office staff, um, and you get to talk to, you know, from seven to 20 franchises out there, you can call them and, and, and ask them any question. And, and, you know, they call me now for that as well. Um, so I was able to understand the business pretty good before I jumped in. So that's part of onboarding, as they call it. There was also a drive day. So I got to go with a franchise. Uh, I happened to go to uh, with a guy in Red Deer, Sean at the time, and I spent the day with him. So I I got to see his business and he was an open book to me, just like I am now with other, um, you know, prospective franchisees. So that really helped me understand um, what the business was and what my uh, what my models needed to be. So what uh, what advice would you give our listeners who are thinking about buying a franchise or getting fairly deep into their journey on identifying the important KPIs that they have to use once they they buy their business? Um, you know, hopefully you're looking at a franchise that has as much of an open book as possible and, and, and talk to, to other franchisees, uh, other franchises, maybe in, uh, competitive markets, but try to find out as, as much information as you can about that market and about, um, existing, um, companies that you can. Okay. Yeah, because I think, you know, a lot of people, they get overwhelmed by KPIs or knowing your numbers and they think financial numbers. I'm not a, I'm not an accountant. I don't 
know the financials. So our advice is understand what the five or six core metrics are and start with that. And then as you get the business up and running, and that's, that comes from talking, doing their due diligence, talking to um, existing franchisees as part of their franchise questions. Um, as, as we wind down here, Steve, what advice would you give to prospective franchisees at this stage? Like they are looking, they might be looking at multiple options. What are the top two or three things that they need to walk away from this discussion with? You know, I, I talk a lot about perspective in in uh, in my company is be prepared to work hard. We all have to work hard. I get that. But be prepared to work hard hands-on. Get to know your product intimately. Get to know your customers intimately. Don't buy a franchise thinking that you can manage it from afar or manage it from an office. I don't believe small business and franchises are set up that way. And I don't believe you should buy it just for an investment, right? Uh, buy real estate for an investment or something else. If you're buying a franchise, be prepared to, to be hands-on and work and understand your your company and your franchise and your community, you know, in depth um, and, and be prepared for that. Then perhaps you can take a step back, but you have to be hands-on at first. You really can't. I don't believe you can buy these franchises uh, as just an investment. It's not going to work. Yeah. It, it's a uh, passive investment doesn't happen. It's you, you have to have some degree of hands-on and there are service businesses where they run full-time. The owner hires an experienced uh, a manager for that, but the manager they're managing 15 to 20 hours to get it up and running sometimes 25 hours. Then they can back off once exactly. the, once the business um, really establishes. What haven't I asked you that you would ask you in the perspective of our audience um, I get asked a lot um, if I had to do it all over again, especially because my plan is not my reality now, would I do it again? And my answer has always been, yes, I would do it again. I've loved the opportunity. Um, I've, lo I've loved the challenge. It didn't work out like I thought it was going to, and that's okay, right? It's not the first time in my life things haven't worked out like I had written them down. Um, but would I do it again? Absolutely. I've, I've loved the opportunity to work with Fiber New. I'd love, I've loved the opportunity to, to scale it up and go after it. You know, I've always had this, I've worked with other companies in the past and I've always had this, you know, this template in my head that I know how to, I know how to grow. I know how to go after it. And this was, um, this was just proof in, uh, in, in a franchise, because I've always, you know, I always worked with manufacturers and a sales agency, which is totally different. I've never gone after a franchise before. And um, and I love the way it, it works. And you can do it with a brand that's already out there. And uh, I absolutely would do it again. It's interesting you picked that question. I worked with a franchise lawyer in the CFA. To, it's, I think it's in the tips for prospective franchisees. There's over 100 questions that franchisees need to ask in the due diligence. And I've always believed that the question you just mentioned is the most important question. When you ask it, when you're doing, when you should be talking to eight to 10 existing franchisees at a minimum as part of your yeah. due diligence. And the, the I always save that for the last question is knowing what you know now, would you do it again? And why or why not is where the, where the important discussion happens and really understanding that. Well, um, is there anything that, you know, you're, you're developing your market in Cologne. Is there anything that you want to share about your business um, in your market before we close off? 
You know, I think um, we're real proud of the work that we put out out here. It's a small market. When I look at uh, the franchises and population across the country and in, in the states, I do not have a large market. Um, you know, we're, you know, 200,000, you know, when all the tourists get here, that's about as big as we are. Um, but we've been able to grow to the largest one in North America because we have had that attitude of let's go out and get the business and we will figure it out some days. But, you know, Kelowna, Fiber New, I have the Vernon franchise as well. So, uh, you know, it's sort of all lumped together now. Um, we do a lot of work. We do a lot of repairs. We do a lot of upholstery. We work with restaurants and and boats and, and you know, automotive. We're close to all the dealers out here. And uh, um, we do work that we're proud of that, like I've always said, that, you know, we would pay for it ourselves before it goes out. Before we expect a customer to pay for it, we would pay for it ourselves. And the service part of it and that standing up to our customers, I think, is what we're most proud of. I have, uh, you know, I have I have bought some business because uh, we made some mistakes. We're not perfect. We've made some mistakes. And I've always made it right with the customer. So I've always brought that stuff back to our shop. We've made it right. And I've made that clear with my staff as well. We're going to do this right. We made a mistake. We're human. Those things happen. Sometimes they, they, they get past us and get out the door. But we're going to make it right. And I think that's what um, my customers know that I'll always take care of them. And I'll always uh, make sure that we, uh, we keep that level up. You know, I, I'm literally getting goosebumps on my arms as I listen to that, because what I'm hearing you say, it's not about the brand. The brand is important, but it's not about the brand. It's not about the size of the market. You've got a small market and you're you're kicking butt over people with very large markets. It's about execution of the business model. And most importantly, this is what gave me goosebumps, Steve. So congratulations. It's about delivering an excellent customer uh, service and ex excellent customer solution. That's where business excels. Uh, Absolutely. And, you know, we may not win it per se when you're looking at a bottom line or if you're an accountant looking at it, we may not win that customer. We've won that customer because that customer is going to tell that story to 12 people that, you know, Fibernew and our team had their back. That's more important. Uh, I, I love hearing your, your, your experience come out. Thank you very much for your time today. Here's wishing you continued success. All the very best. Thank you very much. I love doing this. I appreciate it. Well, uh, thank you. Have a great Thanks. day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Franchise Canada Chats. Catch up on every episode of Franchise Canada Chats on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your audio media. For more franchising resources, including how-to articles, expert advice, franchise success stories, and franchise opportunities, visit FranchiseCanada.online. Don't forget to subscribe to Franchise Canada eNews while you're there. You can also learn more about franchising at cfa.ca and connect with specific franchise opportunities at lookforafranchise.ca.